This morning we're going to wrap up our series of messages that we've been focused on the last several weeks. We've entitled the series Holy Habits, and it's really been a discipleship training uh, series, a reminder of the spiritual disciplines that are uh, a part of a Christian's life. These are holy habits that we can instill in, in us, these actions that we can take to continue the progress of growing in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the last several weeks we focused on topics like uh, worship, and prayer, confession, and studying God's Word and making it more of a part of our life. And this morning, if I can be honest with you, we're going to talk about the spiritual discipline that I don't want to talk about. Does that pique your interest? The spiritual discipline of rest and Sabbath. And I want to start by telling you that God created us in a way that I don't think we take notice of enough. I did some math this week. I had to take, I told first service that I had to take my shoes off to do this math, but I, uh, today, March the 10th, is the 300th, 308th day that I've been the lead pastor of the Hyde Wesleyan Church. That's 10 months and four days. 44 weeks, 7,400 hours. The, the hours doesn't seem very much, does it? 7,400 hours? That's like, sounds like three days. In the last 7,400 hours of my lead pastor, I've had a lot of conversations uh, with peers in ministry, with family members, uh, at different times that I've been away. People continue to ask questions like, hey, so now are, are, are you busier? Are you busier now that you're the lead pastor, now that you're a real pastor? Some of you have asked me that. Some people ask, meaning well, they ask questions like, hey, are you still taking time for family? I'm sure you have more tasks and more things to be involved with. Other people have asked the question, did Hyde Wesleyan Church really call you to be their lead pastor? All those questions, uh, the conversations that continue to abound of the, hey, I bet your, your schedule's busy. Yeah, I bet you have a lot of people you got to talk to. Uh, um, all of those conversations reveal the reality that we are a busy culture and that church culture has, in a lot of ways, continued to duplicate the culture around us in the area of go, go, go. I think all of us would agree that our lives are hurried and busy that we are overcommitted, that we're overworked, we're overtired, and again, on the Sunday where we all put our clocks forward, it's not just because daylight savings time ended. We are a busy, busy culture. In that reality, I want to ask an honest question. Is the way that we are living our lives as individuals, as families, as a church, is the way in which we are filling our lives with more, more, and more. Is it the best possible way to live? And this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to ask you that in, in, in these moments that we share together at the close of our service, to really ask the Lord to reveal in your life if the way you are doing life is the healthiest way he wants you to do life. 
all the tasks, all the places, all the things, all the schedules you have to keep, all the people you are supposed to meet with this week, all the hours you are to work. Scripture gives us some pretty heavy reminders of the reality that you and I were not meant to live always on lives. Let me tell you it this way. Scripture tells us, maybe not explicitly this way, but let me tell you, you are not an energizer bunny. Hello? You were made for rhythm. Genesis chapter 1. Look at the story of creation from uh, verse 31 starting. God looked over all he made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creating Just a book later, Exodus, a book of law. We get this from God's Word and from God Himself. Verse 8 of chapter 20. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for ordinary work, but the seventh is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you and your sons and your daughters, your male and your female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. Verse 11, why? For in six days... The Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Since the creation of the world, everything has its rhythm. The law God handed down to us as humans who don't get it often is to work six and rest one. The reason we're not supposed to work seven and rest never is because God gave us rhythm. God asks us to take a break. The reason we are to take Sabbath, the reason we are to set aside time every single week, the reason we are to live lives of rhythm is not simply a good idea. It's how God created us. It's how God created everything around us. It's because God rested himself. And because God has a pattern of not always going, we too should live according to his pattern. Does anybody play the drums? Terry's already gone this morning, but Terry's our drummer. Terry's a great drummer. If I was a drummer here at Hyde Wesleyan Church, you wouldn't come here. If I was playing the drums, it would sound like a three-year-old playing the drums. One of those three-year-olds that doesn't make it to YouTube. You know what I'm talking about? It would not be good. There's some uh, key features of playing the drums. There's two major uh, equipment needs to play the drums, right? The, the, The drum set itself and sticks, something to hit those drums with. You know there's also a third component of drumming, and it's called rhythm. 
If I were to play the drums without rhythm, it would sound awful. If I was a three-year-old and found out that the drum set was on, as I have sometimes coming here to the church by myself, and I just start hitting drums, it sounds terrible without rhythm. Any instrument that we've learned to play growing up, any, anything that we uh, do in life instrument, instrumental-wise, we understand that always on doesn't work right. Music is made when we know the difference between on and off. Noise, on the other hand, is made when everything is on. I don't know if you're weird like me, uh, but I like rhythm. I may not have the best rhythm, but I like rhythm. I, I like pulling up to a stoplight and hearing my turn signal and somehow the rhythm of my life comes through on the steering wheel in the same sequence as the turn signal. Does anybody do the same thing? You make music in the car? I forgive you. Our, our culture is one that says always on is the way to go. There are cities that are known as cities that never sleep. There is a culture around us that lives, breathes, and screams 24-7, 365. We complain about an hour loss. We barely acknowledge an hour gain, right? Our culture is one that is always on, always giving, always going. And when we live that kind of a lifestyle, when we are always going, we are living less of a life and more of an existence. The truth is God created the world with rhythm. He created you and I to live with rhythm. Let's look at the life of Jesus this morning. I want you to look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 32 to 34 to start here. Mark chapter 1, the life of Jesus is a, a life lived with rhythm. Listen to God's word. Verse 32, Mark chapter 1. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Can you imagine the setting of this story in Mark's gospel? Many people are being brought to Jesus. He is all on right here, right now. People are being healed. People are being delivered from demon possession and sickness. He is interacting. He is ministering effectively to masses of people. Scripture says the whole town is gathered in this place. He is healing many. He is casting out many demons. He's giving. He's serving. He's continuing to give, give, give. And then verse 35, the very next verse from Mark chapter 1. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. If you've grown up in church, if you've been a part of the church, you've, you've surrendered to these moments in Scripture where you have this idea. And, and for me, as I read this passage of Scripture, I read Mac, uh, Mark chapter 1, and I see all this life of Jesus. I'm like, yes, Jesus is giving, giving, giving. It makes sense. He's doing everything he can with his limited time and resources in these moments of his life and ministry. And verse 35 just stands out as this, what? He did what? 
He got away by himself and went to an isolated place. Doesn't he know that there's many, many more people that need healed, touched, delivered, cared for? Truth is, Jesus is experiencing an unbelievably draining experience in his earthly ministry in this moment. But the next day, he doesn't go back at it. He gets away. He knows the importance of rest. Taking time to seek his Father. Taking time to be still and silent before his God. The rhythm of Jesus from Mark chapter 1 is give, 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 overwhelmingly give, and rest alone. Jesus doesn't just uh, model this lifestyle for us that we read in one little passage of Scripture from Mark's Gospel. Just a few chapters later in Mark chapter 6, now he's interacting with his disciples. Look here in verse 30. The apostles return to Jesus from their ministry tour and experience. And they are telling him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Jesus and his disciples, those who are there to present the the gospel message, those who are surrounded by crowds of people, those who are influencers, took time to get away and be alone. Mark chapter 1, it's Jesus himself who needs to find an opportunity for rest. In Mark chapter 6, he is modeling this teaching to his disciples, this same spiritual discipline of taking time to get away, taking time to be refilled, taking time to seek the face of the Father. Jesus continually experienced the life of huge crowds and lots of people vying for his attention and his time. Luke chapter 5 verse 15 says, Despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power is spreading even faster and vast crowds come to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Massive crowds, massive uh, attention is being drawn from Jesus and Jesus did spend his time with crowds and he also took time to be alone Matthew's gospel chapter 14 verse 12 John's disciples came for his body after John the Baptist was killed and they took his body and buried it scripture says then they went and told Jesus what had happened verse 13 says as soon as Jesus heard this news he left in a boat for a remote area to be alone Jesus modeled these rhythms with his life. Jesus knew when he needed to be on, when he needed to be present, and when he needed to rest. Jesus knew when he needed to take a break and get away and be alone and take time to refuel as we read about the story of Jesus, some of us do this same thing every time we read about something about Jesus getting right, right? And we're like, oh, he was Jesus. He was Jesus. He didn't have a family. He didn't have a mortgage. He didn't have hours at his job. He wasn't trying to climb the corporate ladder. He wasn't trying to do a little bit, but he was Jesus. Can I remind us? 
Jesus knew he had limited time on this earth to influence the world for change. And yet he often took time to get alone, get away, to rest. Jesus seems to be okay saying no to large numbers of people who need him. Jesus lived in a culture where rhythm was a part of living. But you and I, we live in 2019, right? Fast, busy. One of the questions we ask around times like this, even on a Sunday morning, how you doing, right? We ask that question, hey, good to see you, how you doing? And the almost instant answer is, oh, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. It's a lot to do. A lot of people to see, a lot of things to do, a lot of tasks to do. Our culture continues to fill our lives with more, more, more. We live in a culture, we live in a county where we think it makes good sense to push the accelerator when we're hitting a yellow light. Right? Faster, more, more. Go, give, more, more, and more. Since the creation of the world, you and I have been instilled by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all things, the reminder that we are not built like the Energizer Bunny. Leviticus is one of those books that's not uh, encouraged often to read for your personal devotions in the morning. It's a book of the Old Testament, but Leviticus chapter 23 specifically is a, a chapter all about celebrating festivals in the Old Testament. Leviticus 23 verses 1 through 4 start uh, this way as God is giving instructions to Moses to lead the people of Israel. The Lord says to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. These are the, the Lord's appointed festivals, this whole chapter which you are to proclaim as official days for holy assembly. Verse 3, you have six days each week for ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly, gathering together. It is the Lord's Sabbath day. It must be observed wherever you live. In addition, there are, these are the Lord's appointed festivals, the official days for holy assembly that are to be celebrated at proper times each year. And the chapter continues with these uh, appointed holidays, these holy days of gathering together to celebrate the goodness of God, the miracles that he's given, the provisions of God. And later in verse 26, the Lord says this to Moses about the Day of Atonement. Be careful to celebrate the Day of Atonement on the tenth day of the same month, nine days after the Festival of Trumpets. You must observe it as an official day for holy assembly, a day to deny yourself and present special gifts to the Lord. Do no work, God says, during that entire day because it is the day of atonement. When offerings, and purif or offerings of purification are made for you, making you right with the Lord your God. Verse 29 strikes me hard. All who do not... Deny themselves that day will be cut off from God's people. I will destroy anyone among you who does any work on that day. You must not do any work at all. This is a permanent law for you. It must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. This will be a Sabbath day of complete rest. And on that day you must deny yourselves. Sounds like God's pretty serious about rest, doesn't it? 
Sounds like God is saying, I I, I command you to celebrate these joyous occasions. God is saying, I I have set you apart. I want you to know me in a real way. I want you to experience me. I want you to take a break from the way things are around you. And if you don't, if you insist on going, 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 bad things are going to happen. When we think of God, do we think of God telling us, commanding us to take time to slow down? I don't, I don't know if that's the, that's the instant characteristic I have of God as I talk about God. We, we talk a lot about how we keep busy and about how much work there is to do, but do we talk about a God who created us with rhythm that tells us and teaches us that we have to also pace ourselves? These are the kinds of images that we think of when we think about God. I think it causes us to have to ask the question, does God love me because of what I do, what I produce, what I create, or because he made me and because I am just his child? The subject of rest and Sabbath and living a life of rhythm really gets down to what we really believe about the life God has created us for. God created you and me with his rhythm. And deep down, we need to ask the question, is the rhythm I am keeping in tune with what God has called me? We need to acknowledge that the culture around us says, go, 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 do more. Fill your life. And God says, yes, work. There's work to be done, amen? Go therefore into all the world. We've got work to do. But God says we have not been created to be on 100% of the time. Sabbath, rest, Surrendering a day every week to the Lord is not just a, a rule. It's not a, uh, just a command. It's how God created us. He designed us to take a break. He put it in us to be people of rhythm. Another passage of Scripture from the Old Testament, one of my favorite poetic Scriptures, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You've heard this passage before. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, to plant, to harvest, to kill, to heal, to tear down, to build up, to cry, to laugh, to grieve, to dance, to scatter stones, to gather them, to embrace, to turn away, to search, to quit searching, to keep and to throw away, to tear and to mend, to be quiet, to speak to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. The rhythms of life are natural. They are known. And we've so quenched that rhythm to think that we can do better. The seasons of our world. Here in Pennsylvania, we have two seasons, right? Winter and summer. But we know there's four seasons, yeah? Yeah? Winter, spring, summer, and fall. 
uh, the reminder every season, every quarter, that something is changing, that creation was designed with rhythm. You ever wonder with winter? You ever wonder on a snow day when everyone is just upset and there's no milk or bread at Walmart? <laughs> Do you ever wonder in those moments if it's God's way of telling us, hey, bozo, it's time to rest. It's time to get over your schedule, Stevan. It's time to remember who's in charge. It's time to work in a snow day. How many of us in the world around us, we love the word simplify, right? We, we, we love Netflix documentaries on the idea with a nice little Japanese lady telling us to throw away everything we've ever loved. And we think it's great. We think the idea of simplifying is something, yeah, someday, someday I would like to get back into a, a normal, someday I'd like to go through that storage shed or the closet. Someday I'd like to get rid of some things. Someday I would like to have time to do better. I want us to understand that God designed us not to experience that someday, but to live lives of rhythm every day. We need to, as individuals, as families, as a church, to learn that it's okay to have time to plant and a time to uproot and weed, a time to weep together in grief, and a time to laugh together and celebrate. It is okay to live a life of rhythm. It is okay to say yes. It is okay to say no. It is okay to live moments of experiencing silence before the Lord. How many of us, in the moments of silence that we experience, think something is wrong. We have been so accustomed to as much noise, as much on drumming, as much loudness, that when we don't hear it, something must be wrong. When silence becomes louder than anything we've experienced in a long time, is it any wonder that we are tired and we're burned out and we're fried? Rhythm. Rhythm is learning to speak and then be quiet. A life of rhythm in our prayer life comes before God with our petitions, our worries, our brokenness, and listens for His response. A life of rhythm comes into a, a worship experience not hoping that we are going to get something, but that God is going to get it for Himself. As we learn to live a life of rhythm, we should ask ourselves three questions. You can write these down if you'd like. The first is, is the rhythm of my current life sustainable? Is the way I'm living my life right now, the schedule I'm keeping, the tasks I have, is this doable for myself, for my family, for the next five years? Is it doable for the next five days? Or does something need to break? 
The quick follow-up question to that first question is, what, what are the changes that need to be made in my life to keep it sustainable? Second question, do I know when to be on and when to be off? Do I know when to be on and when to be off? When to play and when not to play? When to say yes and when to say no? When to embrace and when to refrain? When to say yes to one more meeting and when not to? When to say, I'm sorry, I can't. In a culture that tells us every day, one more thing won't break you. Third and final question, how does the rhythm of my life, the sequence, the busyness, the rhythm of my life affect those around me? You know your life is not just your life. Do you know you're an influencer of people all around you? Do you know people are watching you? I'm not talking about someone looking through your windows in your living room. People are watching the way you're living. You know that? You have kids. Do you know your kids? Do you know your kids know when you're stressed? How does the rhythm of my life affect everything and everyone around me. When there's no rhythm, our life is not how it is supposed to be. When we're always on, that is not how life is supposed to be. Can I remind you? To be a Christian, the life of being a Christian is to stand in opposition to the ways of the world. Do you know that? I just had a conversation in between services. Someone graciously thanked me for preaching about sin a couple weeks ago. A great compliment. And the comment was made, thanks for preaching about sin because we're living in a culture where sin is not being talked about. Where the church and the world kind of similarly look like each other. In this area, can I tell you the same thing? We, we got to get this right, friends. We have a chance to get this right, that we don't have to take our example from the pages of culture around us. Rather, we have an example in Jesus Christ of how to live lives of rhythm. We can get this right. We can be a shining example of health to the world, to our families, to our neighbors. We don't have to live our lives like bad songs that are always on. To be a Christian truly is to be confrontational to the culture around us. The full life of Jesus confronts culture. So it's time for us to confront our busy, busy, give, 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 go, 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 more, more, more culture. And stare it down. And to say, you know what, this is not the way my family is going to live life. This is not the way I'm going to surrender to the way of the world. I choose to rest because it's how God created me. I thought about ending our service with nap time. Pass out small cots and blankets. 
pillows. But we all have different preferences, right? I don't think we have a command on exactly how Sabbath is supposed to happen, but I know that God demands us to take breaks. God made us as people of rhythm. My desire is to emulate the one who created me with rhythm and to refuse the ways of the world that says, no, 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 just a little bit more. I choose to cling to a life of rhythm that God outlines for me in the Bible. And I hope you will too. I hope you will learn to live a life of rhythm better today than yesterday, better this week than last. To surrender your schedule, your desires, your busyness for the way of the Lord. God is speaking to his people. He's showing you and me his way, his will, his desire. He wants to talk. We need to be people who will listen. Will you stand with me? Let's bow our heads together. We confess, Lord, that we are a go, go, go culture. We're more on than off in so many areas of our life. God, I thank you for an opportunity in this place today to gather for worship and fellowship and to pause from the busyness of our life. And I thank you for these who have gathered in this place. And Lord, we confess that in many ways there's a lot of other things scheduled for the remainder of our day. God, I just ask that however it is, your Holy Spirit is convicting us as individuals, as families, as husbands and wives, as a church. Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to take action as we ask ourselves difficult questions about the sustainability of our schedule, of our lifestyle. Lord, would you help us to fill the gaps that we will create. Help us, Lord, to know when to be on and when to be off. Help us to hear from you. Help us to see how our choices affect others around us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be people of Sabbath rest. And we would, more than set aside a day to call it holy, that we would live in that set-apart life and be yours. Help us. Help us to discern our next steps as individuals and families in the church. Help us to hear from you. And in all that we do, help us to bring you honor and glory because you are worthy of it. We praise you for who you are. 
And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen.